0: Now, Revelation is a book that many of us try to stay away from in many spaces. But I want us to hear this excerpt from this final chapter. Revelation 21, 1 through 6, from the Common English Bible Translation. But as always, I encourage you to hear this in the language that connects you with God the best. Let us hear from the vision of John. John.
1: The heading on this is new heaven and new earth. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the former heaven and the former earth had passed away and the sea was no more. I saw the holy city, new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, made ready as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. I heard a loud voice from the throne say, look. God's dwelling in here with humankind. He will dwell with them and they will be his peoples. God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. There'll be no mourning, crying, or pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. Then the one seated on the throne said, Look, I'm making all things new. He also said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. Then he said to me, All is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. Lessons of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God.
0: So we are wrapping up our series on faith after doubt. And it's, I love when things kind of work together. The piece that the choir just did, He is Here, is a translation of the word presente, which means you are here, or he is here, or she is here. And that Is what we are centering ourselves on during this All Saints Sunday. So, So Revelation, as I mentioned before, is one of those books in our biblical canon that is often avoided. And many times it is because throughout our Christian heritage, throughout our traditional teachings, it's often been misused or misunderstood. I say misused because sometimes it can be interpreted as a prediction, the, the end times, this violent end-of-the-world battle, or it can be used as an encouragement to withdraw from the world and only seek heaven, which then means that we neglect the pain and suffering of the body, whether it's our own bodies or the body of Christ, because our reward is in the next life or our reward is in heaven. This seeking heaven oftentimes comes at the expense of caring for others in a way that Jesus wanted us to care for one another. Revelation is also, as I said, misunderstood when it is read as a book of destruction or hopelessness for this world. Now, the imagery that John of Padma uses to draw us into this vision that he has received is definitely and most certainly vivid, which is an understatement. In previous chapters of Revelation, he speaks of serpents and queens, monsters lurking in the deeps of the sea, the Leviathan, lambs with sword tongues, supernatural horse riders, plagues, and more. It's no wonder that this kind of writing was so popular back in the day when you think about this kind of imagery. This is considered apocalyptic literature. And apocalyptic literature, this speaking of fantastic visions about what will happen in the end at the end of the world was very popular it was all the rage in John's time kind of like how today in the 21st century we can't seem to get enough of post apocalyptic zombiescapes or how schmaltzy hallmark movies are all the rage during christmas so for us in the 21st century nothing quite brings about doubt over faith than scriptures that feature a good sea monster. And for many of us sitting here today or either at home in, or in our sanctuary or listening in, nothing quite brings about doubt like the feelings of hopelessness or sadness that often accompany grief. Amen? Amen. Which is why I want to challenge us today to embrace our doubt and our hope. Because, beloveds, that is where faith lives. I do believe this, that doubt and hope are the foundations of faith. And that is what this final chapter of Revelation is all about. And so with this in mind, let us return to the text for this All Saints Sunday. As I mentioned before, John is writing in the apocalyptic tradition, which was a popular genre or a popular category of literature back then. Still is in so many ways. And death, death at the time, was viewed as not only how... Life is ended on this plane, in this world. But death was also given a kind of personality with almost human-like qualities. We can think of the paintings we've seen in museums or online of this, clo- this cloaked figure with a scythe. This deaf pers- person, this almost human-like creature. Death, with a capital D, was understood to be something which actively works against the flourishing of life. And mourning, which we hear John also speak of, was understood to be not only the natural state of folks who were experiencing grief or had experienced death in their lives, but mourning was also understood to be kind of like the state in which we as humanity live in. This constant sense of something not being right or missing within this broken world. Now then, the world was dominated by the Roman Empire. It was an empire that was entirely dependent on fear and maintaining the status quo in order to stay in power. It was a military state. And so we have a people who are hearing this or reading this for the first time who have only known a world that brings pain and suffering. They have only known, if they're outside of the Roman peninsula, a world under the dominion, of an angry and violent power. They've only known a world that is dominated by status and social class. A world of persecution, if you were a Jesus follower, because this was during that time in the Roman Empire when active persecution of Christians was occurring. When death is so real all of the time, one can imagine People are asking, where is God in this world? If Jesus, the one whom we seek, the one whom we follow, is the way, the truth, and the life, and we are living according to his mission and ministry, why is there so much pain and suffering? Why is there persecution? And in truth, It sounds an awful lot like some of the questions many of us have been asking or have asked at some point in our lives. Amen? Amen. Especially during this global pandemic. Which is what brings us to this final chapter in Revelation. Because in the midst of all of this doubt that the world has caused, John brings us a word of hope. Because God, the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, will make God's home with us and create something new. And I would hazard to say that God has made God's home with us. That God has been doing it over and over again, throughout time, since the beginning, with each day bringing the chance to embrace something new. And this, this is where hope and doubt meet, to pave the way for the faith that we need to experience what God is doing in our physical world. And not just our physical world, oh no, but also our inner worlds. The worlds that we keep in our hearts and our minds and our spirits, for nothing is outside of God's grace. As any of us who have experienced loss, whether it's of a loved one or of an ideal, like what happens when we lose a job or experience a breakup or a crisis of faith, or have a global pandemic steal your joy. Like any of us who have experienced that kind of loss, there is the pain of the movement from what we once knew to what we now know. Or as John would put it, the transition from the first heaven and earth to the new one. There is pain. There is doubt. There is sadness. There is fear. But John reminds us that God is always present. That God has always been present since the dawn of time. That God has made God's home with humanity. You see, God is not in the trials and the tribulations that are brought on by the world. God is not in the pain or grief or sting of sorrow. But, but, God is in it with us. In that moment when we move from what we once knew to what we now know, God is immediately present in that new world. In that new reality, God has created and is creating God's home in our own places and spaces. And when that is realized, when the personified power of death, that character, no longer exists when we sit in the presence of God in our own places and spaces, when we find the qualities of life that create tears, mourning, crying, and pain, when they no longer hold the same power they once did, that is the hope that accompanies the doubt, which then strengthens and lays the foundations of faith. Amen? Amen. That right there is where hope and doubt meet. And that is where faith lives. So today, and every day, I invite you to embrace that doubt, which we all carry. We all struggle with it. We all feel the heaviness of it when we walk around. Even this pastor carries it around with her. When I say we all have it, we all have it. And when we embrace it, may we also invite in the hope that lives alongside it. That hope that we find in this passage of Revelation. And that hope is that when we grieve, when we invite God to sit with us in that grief, we will experience a new way of living. One where the grief does not stop us in our tracks or take our breath away as it often does with its power. Because God is bigger than that. It's a hope that when we look around us at the world and when we actively wonder where God is in it all, that we can give ourselves the grace and the space to not just passively wonder, to just throw the question out there, but to then actively seek out where in those broken places that God's love and light is breaking through. God is here. God is presente. God has made God's home here with us and within us. So let us celebrate the hope that a presente God brings. And with that hope, may our faith be stronger for it. May this be so for each and every one of us. Amen.